Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're studying the book of Romans and learning how the power of the gospel is the key to our justification and sanctification. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's episode as we continue our study of the book of Romans. Uh, Some have said that Romans is the constitution of Christianity, and you can look at so many uh, famous forefathers of the faith and uh, listen to what they say about the book of Romans. Of course, uh, Martin Luther, his whole life transformed uh, by the book of Romans. I think about men like John Wesley and others that were just so profoundly influenced by this great book uh, in the Bible, and I hope that that'll be your testimony. I hope that after we look at the book, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I pray that this book uh, would be the the catalyst, the tool that God would use to bring you to faith in Jesus Christ. If you know Christ as your Savior, which many of you do, I pray that this book would help you to understand your life's purpose and understand that the gospel is not just the starting point of Christianity. It's not just the diving board, but it's the entire pool. It's the water in which we swim. It's just as valid for our sanctification as it is for our justification. We're going to learn all about that as we delve into it. So look at verse number seven today, Romans chapter one and verse number seven. And we've arrived at the section in chapter one where the apostle Paul has identified his audience. So verse number one, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God. Boy, isn't that a a wonderful uh, moniker that we believers wear, that we are loved of God. We are God's special ones. Beloved of God, called to be saints. A saint is a separated one, one made holy, not through his own righteousness, but through the gift righteousness of Jesus. And watch the greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think you know that back in Bible days, grace and peace was a very common greeting. Grace and peace, grace and peace. Even in secular society, it was a common greeting. But the Apostle Paul speaks this common greeting in a much deeper way, doesn't he? Because he says not just grace and peace, but grace and peace uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So grace, I think we talked about that last episode, God's unmerited favor, which gives me both a desire and an ability to do his will. Wow, God's grace, peace, that that condition of heart that rules my mind and my emotions to know that God is in control and, and that there is a grander purpose than just the randomness of an unfolding life. I mean, grace and peace from God, from Jesus. These are the gifts from God himself. Wow, what kind of greeting is that? That's the Apostle Paul saying, Church at Rome, I want you to be blessed in the ways that only God can bless you. As human beings, as an apostle, as a pastor, as a podcaster, I can't dispense grace to you. I can't give you peace. No, that's only something God can do. I think what Paul is saying here at the beginning of the letter is, I wish upon you those things that only God can do. I want God's best and most spiritual blessings for your life. 
That's a great thing, isn't it? Look at verse number eight. First, so now as the Apostle Paul methodically delves into the, the body of his letter, he says to them, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Well, what a statement. A very similar statement Paul makes to the church at Thessalonica. Remember, he had gone to Thessalonica and had to leave early due to the riot at Jason's house, was concerned about those new believers, and in the meantime had heard news that their faith had grown and that it was actually sounding forth throughout all Macedonia and in all other places. And when the Apostle Paul finally wrote back to them, ironically from Corinth, back up to Thessalonica, on the second missionary journey, he said, boy, I'm just so astounded at the reverberation of your faith. And he says the same thing here to the church at Rome. He said, I've never been there. I've never seen you, but I've talked to people that have been influenced by you. I have heard of your faith and your faith is having a reverberating and echoing effect all around the world. So vibrant and so authentic it is. And I wonder if that could be said about your faith, your testimony, your testimony in Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says there in verse number eight that uh, your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You know, you have a testimony that has traveled through through travelers and through letters and through influences. I mean, remember, Rome was a cosmopolitan place. It was a place of trade. It was the world capital. So as people came in and out and traveled to different places, they would take with them uh, the message of this church at Rome. And so already the Apostle Paul said, you are having a worldwide influence. I say that to our church here at Faith in Fredericksburg, Virginia, all the time. Uh, We have many government employees in our church. Uh, Some of you are listening right now. We have people that have been involved in the military, especially the Marines, because Quantico is so close by. And sometimes they'll be in our church for just a a season, three years, and then out. And yet that transience is actually a benefit because they can come and be saved or be grounded and then take what they've learned and take who they now are in Christ and it becomes a seed sown around the world. And that's what was happening here in Rome. Look at verse number nine. For God is my witness. So whatever the Apostle Paul is about to say, he wants the the church at Rome to know that this is the truth. I mean, that God is my witness. I say this with God as my witness. So this is a strong statement. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Hey, here's one thing I want you to know, that as I serve God, uh, as I declare the gospel, as I maintain the priorities I've already talked to you about, I want you to know that I have been praying for you. I make mention of you always in my prayers, without ceasing. And what that literally means is every time that I go to my regular time of prayer, you, church at Rome, are a part of that prayer time. I pray without ceasing. As I pray to God every morning, every night, I remember you in my prayer. I wonder, who are the people in your life for whom you pray every day? 
Those are important people in your life. That's an important prayer request. I think sometimes we tell people that we're praying for them when we really aren't. That's disingenuous, isn't it? Or sometimes we pray for people, but then we don't tell them that we're praying for them. And I think it's important to do both. I think it's important to to pray for people because prayer makes a difference. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, the Bible says in James 5. But then when you do pray for people, I think it's encouraging to say to people, hey, I'm praying for you. And Paul would often do that. I mean, I would challenge you to read the introduction to virtually every one of Paul's epistles. And what you'll find is Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I think about what Jesus said to a Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan's at work, but I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And boy, the difference that prayer can make. God is my witness. I'm praying for you, said the Apostle Paul. Look at verse number 10. Here's my, here's my specific prayer. Making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So what is Paul saying? Paul's saying, you know, you know what I've been praying about? I've really been praying about getting to see you. I, I realize the value that would take place if we would spend time together, our mutual faith, if we could share our stories, if we could spend time praying together, if we could fellowship and an iron sharpens iron and I could teach the word of God and impart unto you some spiritual gift, but I'd love to be able to have that, that time with you. Hey, never underestimate the value of in-person time with people. That's why church is so important. And while I appreciate the, the tool of a podcast and spending time with you virtually every day, it doesn't replace the time that you have at your local church or the time that you have with a spiritual mentor, that face-to-face time. And the Apostle Paul said, I've been praying that I would have that opportunity to come by the will of God. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul said, I'm couching all of my prayers with this caveat, if God wills. You know, I want this, this is what I'm praying for, but at the end of the day, I want what God wants. It's interesting because he expands upon this prayer in Romans chapter 15, when he says to them, hey, I'm praying, I'm planning, but I want you to pray. Pray that things go well when I go to Jerusalem. Pray that things go well when I dispense that offering. Pray that I can expeditiously expeditiously get to you sooner than later. And what's interesting is none of that happened because when the Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem, he was arrested and uh, his trip was delayed. And when he finally did get on a boat, it was shipwrecked. And so it would seem as if the prayers were not answered. And yet they were because Paul said, I'm praying according to the will of God. And while I have plans and I would like to see them unfold this way, I understand that God's plans supersede even my own. It didn't preclude him from praying, and he was praying for them and praying very practically that he would have added opportunity to influence their lives. Look at one last verse in verse number 13. 
where he says, now, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. In other words, here's one thing I really want you to know. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. In other words, hindered. I was hindered uh, up until this point that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Boy, I really have tried to come to you. I mean, I've had the ticket purchased. I've had the plans. I've had it on my Google calendar. But for whatever reason, it's not been possible up until now. I've tried. And the really the reason I want to come is not just to vacation in Rome and see the sights and not just to howdy and, and make new friendships, but I really want to have a fruitful ministry among you. My life is driven by what the gospel can do. And the gospel brings forth fruit, not just in the lives of unbelievers and they, they come to Christ, but in the lives of believers and making them fruitful as they become more and more like the Lord Jesus. So we'll stop there in verse number 13, and we're going to jump right into the heart of it in the next episode. I really hope you'll stay tuned as we jump into verse number 14 tomorrow. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.